Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is May 4th, 2020, and may I give a big warm welcome to someone I'd rate five stars out of five, my friend, astrologer April Elliott Kent. Hi, April. Hello, Jen. Thank you. <laughs> You're a five yourself, definitely. Thanks. That feels good. I, when you were in school, did you get little gold stars when you did well in things? Yeah, I think when we were really in the younger grades, we did. And then I took piano lessons for a very long time. And for most of my piano lesson life, I got a sticker if my piano teacher thought I passed the song. And that was exciting. What kind of stickers? All kinds. Could have been Snoopy. Could have been a scratch and sniff. That one would have been really exciting. <laughs> Wasn't so much stars. It was really fun things like that. Mm. Little animals and, you know, cute stickers. Are you trying to imply that stars are not fun? Absolutely not. I just rated you five out of five. <laughs> What could be more fun than that? I loved getting the. I lived for those gold stars, oh, as you can imagine. I'll send you some gold stars. And some googly eyes. Yes, Jen likes googly eyes. I do enjoy putting googly eyes on things because it makes food more fun. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you do it if you have access to them? <laughs> Deploy them. Use them. Maybe I'll put a picture of something with googly eyes on the webpage this week. I think that's a great idea. We can incorporate it into our episode artwork. Yes. So we're on episode 24. We are recording on April 27th. So just to remind everybody that we're a week behind with all of the exciting activities going on around us in the world. That's right. But we will be talking about May 4th through 10th in our episode today. But what we wanted to start out by doing was read some of the wonderful reviews that we've been getting. We had one on iTunes from Living From Center. It says, okay, this is the first time I've ever written a podcast review. I felt moved to because I am loving it. I actually listen to a lot of astrology podcasts. They're all so different. But this one has a style I really love. I've been a follower of April's astrology writing and blog posts for a long time, so I was excited to check out her new podcast, and I am more than pleasantly surprised by it. Not only do I feel like I learn something every episode and really appreciate April's perspective and interpretations, but I love the fun conversational style and chemistry between April and Jen. Definitely subscribed and looking forward to it weekly. Yay! Thank you! <laughs> we have chemistry! Yay! We're chemists! Yeah, that's really nice. Thanks, Living From Center. Another one from the Podbean app. From The Color Mage, they start with a lot of heart eye emojis, <laughs> and they're referring to my parents' cameo on episode 22. Seriously, this month's cameo is so beautiful, and her takeaway from the song and living authentically, I'm crying. This is my favorite episode. Your Aww. parents were adorable. Adorable. Oh, thanks, April. They are adorable. They were the MVPs of that episode. And if you guys haven't heard it, you really must go back and listen because Jen's mom is just lovely. And she was basically sharing some remembrances from Jen's tweenhood and her love of some of the 80s bands that we were talking about. And I was telling Jen before we recorded, she was like America's mom. She just made me feel all warm and <laughs> safe and happy inside. And her dad was a doll, too. So you must thank them again for joining us. And we hope maybe we can even have them again on the podcast. Sure. If anything ever comes up that we think would be appropriate for yes. my parents to comment on, for sure. Yeah. Well, and of course, the song that the color mage was referring to was Karma Chameleon by Culture Club. Yes. 
and your mom had a really beautiful take on that. Yeah, it was lovely. Great. Thank you for that. And from our blog, we had this post from Patty. I enjoy this podcast full stop, but particularly loved your description of Venus and Gemini. While my natal Venus is in Aries, my son is in Gemini, and your description of bookstores and trips to Staples for writing implements and journals is straight up my alley. Thank you so much for a delightful podcast and some really interesting astrological interpretations. Thanks, Patty. I agree with Patty. Well, thank you both. And as a person with the moon in Gemini, of course, I have a little bit of insight into what makes that particular sign tick. Of course you do. And from Apple Podcasts, we have, now I'm going to apologize in advance because I might mispronounce this, S. Froggy? I think it's Frog. I see. Okay. This person says, April is an amazing astrologer, and I absolutely love the way she explains the most current astro weather in the skies. I would like to thank both of you for producing such an enjoyable podcast. I look forward to it every Monday. Yay! That's awesome. Thank Thank you. you. Well, we look forward to it, too, because it comes out on Monday, and then probably 12 hours after we drop it into your feed, we're recording the next episode. (laughs) So Monday is kind of big for us around here, (laughs) and we're completely confused about what the transits are. Totally confused. Utterly for what's going on today. Yeah. But we know what happened last week and what will happen the week after this one. We just don't know what's happening today. Yeah, as I was doing the final edits on the podcast on Saturday, I was thinking, oh, yeah, this is for the week coming up now. (laughs) Well, it's very confusing. And then I'm writing my weekly column, which you can find at the website, BigSkyAstrology.com. And I write that usually on the weekend Yes, after we've recorded the episode already, and I'm writing about the same stuff. And it gets very confusing. (laughs) But we enjoy Mondays, and we're really glad to welcome you with us to start your week. Yes. To sum up, thanks for your comments. And yes, you can leave comments on the blog at BigSkyAstropod.com. You can leave them on the Podbean app or leave them in Apple Podcasts for us. Or just drop us an email. Oh, sure. We just love to hear from you. Yes. And we love to know who's out there listening because otherwise I'm just in this funny little box that I record in and (laughs) turns in our living room and it just feels a little bit lonely. It's the cone of creativity that April is in. It is. Well, it's like we have imaginary friends is what it feels (laughs) like, all of you out there. So thank you. We, we love to have at least internet handles to associate with oh, all of yeah. you. So thank you. Well, let's move on to some astrology, shall we, April? Let's do that. Why don't we? Let's start with Mercury, huh? Mm-hmm. Tell us about Mercury this week. It's all about Mercury all the time. Mercury, of course, is in Taurus. We talked quite a bit about that in episode 23. And this week it makes its superior conjunction with the sun on May 4th, on Monday at 2.41 p.m. Pacific time. And a superior conjunction between Mercury and the Sun happens when Mercury and the Earth are on opposite sides of the Sun. The Sabian symbol for this degree, which is 15 Taurus, is a man muffled up with a rakish silk hat. I love everything about that. Yeah, totally. He's muffled up. He's got his big scarf around his neck, possibly. But also, I saw somebody interpret it this way, that the muffled up is also not wanting to really talk or having kind of a softer voice. And of course, the rakish silk hat. I love the word rakish. He's fancy. It is kind of fancy. (laughs) Just like you and your Murphy bed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we have to go back some episodes to really... uh, Episode five. (laughs) Way back in the day, we talked about how fancy I was with our new path, which is beautiful, by the way. It's weathering and looking great. That's so great. We have our Murphy bed in place. 
I'm very fancy. Yeah. Just like this man here. That's right. So I'm really resonating with him. I'm on his wavelength. Mm -hmm. This speaks to me really about confidence in your own style. This is a guy who obviously is quite stylish because it's not just a silk hat. It's a rakish silk hat. It is perhaps put at a rakish angle or something like that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I can picture this kind of guy who really kind of has some flair in his appearance. And that takes confidence. That is not just clothing. That is art. That's self-expression. That's what fashion is. And it's about, as I said, possibly speaking softly, which is this muffled thing, but also with confidence in who you are. And that goes back to that Mercury in Taurus, which is pretty confident about who it is. You know, yes, there's not a lot of ambiguity there. And when Mercury is coming together with the sun, as we've talked about on a number of occasions, there is perhaps a little too much confidence in what we think we know and our opinions and that sort of thing. So maybe a little bit of a warning there. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to talk in a moment about the North Node going into Gemini and how the caution there as well has to do with don't assume you know everything. It's good to have confidence. But if you're truly confident, you know when to stand back and say, hmm, maybe there's something I missed. And you don't need to say it. Right. You know, speak softly and carry a big stick or whatever it was, Teddy <laughs> Roosevelt. I'm not sure that's really the, <laughs> really, really the sentiment we're going for here. But there it is. He was a fashionable guy, too. So that's Mercury in a conjunction with the sun. That's happening on the 4th. Okay. And on the same day, but that night... We have a big thing happening. A big thing. A drum roll, please. Oh, uh, yeah, I was actually telling Joni, my wife, the other day, <laughs> she should bring the drum set up so I can occasionally go. <laughs> she didn't go for it. No. So, but definitely a drum roll, I think, sound effect oh, yeah. might be something we incorporate here. So, the North Node of the Moon, which has a cycle of about 18 years to go through the entire zodiac moves kind of slowly. It's about a year and a half in one sign. And here I'm going to interject. If people want to learn about the nodes of the moon, please again visit episode five, which we've already referenced once in this episode. Oh, which episode was that? The fancy Murphy bed was episode five, and the nodes of the moon are also episode five, Unboxing Eclipses. That was an indelible episode. That is one that will live in infamy. The north node of the moon, and of course the south node, because they're part of a polarity move through a pair of signs over about an 18-month period, and they move backwards through the zodiac. So they've been in Cancer and Capricorn, with the North Node being in Cancer, since November of 2018. Yes. The North Node moves into Gemini on May 4th, and will be there through January 18th of 2022. So what is the North Node and the South Node? Here, you give us a summary. You've heard me babble about these enough. Oh, I wish I had. April has a fantastic eclipse report, and I love the way you describe the nodes in that eclipse report, but I don't have it in front of me. I wrote it, and I have no idea what I said. The north node is our destiny, the direction we're headed, the path of spiritual growth. The south node is what we're comfortable in, but perhaps what we could move away from in order to attain the north node path. Yeah. Well said, Jen. Couldn't have said it better myself. Oh, good. The sign that the South Node is in at any given time will always, of course, be opposite the North Node. The North Node is going into Gemini, which means the South Node is in Sagittarius. The North Node in Gemini encourages us over the next 18 months or so, roughly, to embrace the questioning path. 
to embrace uncertainty, to let ourselves be curious and always learning, to assume there's so much we don't know, and to ask smart questions. So it's a questioning sign. But we're coming from a south node in Sagittarius place, where it feels much more comfortable to feel like we have all the answers. We know everything we need to know. We don't have to ask any questions because we know what we know. And there's a zealotry to it. There's a sense of superiority that can come with the south node being in Sagittarius and staying mired in outmoded opinions or prejudice or doctrine. Yeah, okay. Now, we're always going to use a little bit of negative language when we're talking about the south node because the south node is a releasing point and it says the characteristics that are negative about the sign that the south node is in is what we have to let go of in order to move along our path. So, of course, we're not going to let go of the lovely qualities of Sagittarius, that soulful interest in what makes the world work and what does it all mean, the big questions. And there is something nice about embracing the part of you that is knowledgeable, that has earned the ability to be an authority about something. But you do have to earn it. Yeah. And to the extent that you have not earned that, then that is the sort of thing that we're saying we need to let go of with the South Node in Sagittarius. Sure. What do you think of that? There's a concept in Zen Buddhism called beginner's mind. And it really reminds me of that because it's all about dropping any expectations that you have of something and seeing it with new eyes, seeing it with a sense of wonder, like you're seeing it for the very first time. Mm -hmm. Because when you're really a beginner, your mind is open and curious. The idea of beginner's mind is that even things that you do every day, like brushing your teeth or drinking a cup of coffee, can be approached with beginner's mind. And there's something of the South Node here, too, because the philosophy holds that even experts can benefit because the problem with expertise is that we tend to disregard anything that disagrees with what we've learned previously. <laughs> and so we wind up returning to information that only demonstrates our current ways of doing things and that our current methods are the quote unquote right ones. So it's kind of like a cognitive bias, you know? Mm -hmm. Anybody who has written a term paper or a thesis or a book, I run into this a lot of times when I'm writing lectures, is I start out with a premise, I start out with a thesis, and I think, okay, this is what I think I want to say about this subject, and I want to find something new in it. But if you go into that thinking, okay, this is what I'm going to find, <laughs> then that is certainly what you will find. Right. And if you run up against things that contradict it, it's really tempting to just leave them out. Yeah. So true. Yeah, you know, and you're just trying to come up with a cohesive point of view about things. Yeah. But we don't grow that way. We don't learn that way. And, you know, you can't let your ego get too invested, I think, is the point in what it is that you think you know. Sagittarius is the sign of belief, and we have beliefs about things. And if all we have is a belief and not facts or information then it's stale, it's outmoded, and it can even be toxic. Yeah. So those are the things we're looking at getting rid of. The last time the nodes were in these signs was back in 2001. It entered Gemini, the North Node, in October of 2001 and left April 2003. Okay. And then in 2011 and 2012, the North Node was in Sagittarius and the South Node was in Gemini. 
But if we go back to 2001 through 2003, those are important years, if you're old enough to have been having significant experiences in your life at that time, to think, hmm, what was important in my life? What was I learning that was new? What was my experience with learning and understanding about the world? How about for you? Let's see. What was I doing? I was in college. I had gone back to college to finish. And that's when I really started digging into my major, I believe, which was communication. Of course, because <laughs> North Node and Gemini, what else? <laughs> right? <laughs> How perfect. Yeah. What about you? That might have been when I was doing hypnotherapy and learning mm. how to do that. I took a really intensive course to learn how to do that and add it to my repertoire of things that I know yeah. how to do. Your bag of tricks, skills, and tools I always associate with Gemini. Mm -hmm. It's that kind of learning. It's real practical learning. Yeah. One of the things that I like about this is that it can bring a sense of mindfulness to our days and to what we do from moment to moment. And we talked about, I think it was episode 18, Aries, New Moon. Mm -hmm. In that episode, we talked about mindfulness and how just being really in the present moment can help us overcome anxiety and stress. And so I like that about the North Node and Gemini, too, because I think there's a lot of that in this. Mm -hmm. I found so much with the nodes in Cancer and Capricorn. They helped me on a couple of important occasions make decisions that I was really struggling with. Hmm. And the way it helped to me was I said, okay, am I coming from a Capricorn place with this or am I coming from a Cancer place? Because the Cancer place is the North Node. That's what you're supposed to be moving towards. Mm -hmm. And the Capricorn side, and I always use the example, and I might have been one of our podcast episodes about traveling. We were in the in Arizona or something last May for me to do some talks and our cat Bodhi got sick, got really sick and taken to the hospital. And I had to decide in this moment, am I going to, because she was being taken care of. She was in the hospital. My neighbor was there with her. But I had these professional obligations to these other groups in the coming week and going through this agony of thinking, oh, do I go? Because, of course, you don't want to cancel professional obligations. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, am I going to go on and do these talks or am I going to go home? And in the end, I thought, oh, I have to do the cancerian thing go to where I'm I'm needed, you know, she needed me, the cat needed me. Yeah. So the caretaking thing. That's a great example. It was a really powerful one for me. And I think that as we move forward for the next 18 months with this Gemini Sagittarius situation, if you find yourself in a situation where the question is, do I need to stand firm in what I know? Or might there be some other information out there that I should know? kind of lean on the side of maybe there's stuff I don't know. Sure. Because that's Gemini's job is to gather information without bias, just to get out there and gather it and say, hmm, what's everybody else saying? Hmm, what else can I learn about this? Nice. Yeah. That means that the eclipses are going to start moving also into those two signs. Oh, right. And we'll talk about that mm -hmm. as we get closer to June. Yeah, and I will link April's eclipse report in the show notes if anyone's interested in ordering one of those. Thank you, Jen. Yeah. So, what time is it? It's Moonwatch! <laughs> oh, we do. Well, this week we have a full moon. We have a full oh. moon at... 17 degrees and 20 minutes of Scorpio on May 7th at 3.45 a.m. Pacific time. The Sabian symbol for 18 degrees of Scorpio is a woods rich in autumn coloring, which speaks of that beautiful, lovely explosion of color and that warm glow just before the 
you know, the, the end. ending. <laughs> the ending. I'm trying to think of a nice way to say this, but basically trees losing all of their foliage for the cold weather. So it just says, hey, everything comes to an end eventually, but then things begin, which we've also talked about. The cycle of life. Yeah. And just before things have to come to a close, there's this last burst of color and energy and a beautiful glow. Mm -hmm. The full moon being in Scorpio and a post Taurus, which the Sabian symbol for 18 Taurus is a woman holding a bag out a window, which always speaks to me of like, I visualize her cleaning house. Yes, that's what I visualize. Yeah, she's tipping out a vacuum cleaner bag or a bag of something that she's getting rid of. Mm -hmm. The full moon, of course, is that time in the cycle where everything is illuminated and comes a little more clear to us especially with regard to Taurus things, because the sun is moving through Taurus as well as Mercury and Uranus, a lot of things, a lot of Taurus energy. But Scorpio takes us for a moment at the full moon out of all of that Taurus, earthy, practical, just dealing with what's right in front of us. And Scorpio takes us in the entirely opposite direction, which is to say, but there are things beyond this world. Mm -hmm. Scorpio is the sign of the magical and the non-physical planes on which we meet. So there's something really spiritual about it and magical and deep. You know, I've been really encouraging people in my writing, I know we've been talking about it in the podcast, to stay grounded, to be grounded. And that's important. But Scorpio takes it that step further and says, okay, but why are we here in the first place on this earth? And Scorpio looks to the magical elements of it and says there are things that we can't fully understand. There are mysteries. That's lovely. Yeah. These symbols, just to piggyback on that, really spoke to me about release and letting go and knowing when the right time is to let go. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a ton of Scorpio energy in my chart. Yeah. And for me, one of the hardest things about being so Scorpio sometimes <laughs> is knowing when to let go. Because what my experience has been is that I tend to see things through to the bitter end. But the trick is knowing when the end is. Right. That's just what I thought about when I was looking at these two Sabian symbols. I also think it's probably one of the reasons I was so good at finding adoptive families for teens in foster care. Mm. Because I'm so determined and persistent. And so perhaps there's something of that in there too. Yeah, with Taurus and Scorpio both, because they're fixed signs. Yeah. One of my colleagues and friends used to call me a persistent bulldog. <laughs> <laughs> a dog with a bone. That's our gen. <laughs> and I always thought that was my Scorpio self, you know. It is the Scorpio self and also the Taurus self, because hmm, you have Saturn and Taurus as well. I do. Anything that's in a fixed sign in your chart is helpful in helping you see important things through to the end. Mm -hmm. As you point out, though, yeah, that's a really good observation. We don't always know what the end is. Yeah. We're dealing with that right now with the pandemic and all of that. When is the right time to start opening everything up and getting together again and doing all of that? Yeah. Oh, thank you for finding that connection between those two symbols. Oh, yeah. Because I think that's really powerful and really apropos about letting go. Thanks. And also, I just noticed this on my Facebook this morning, a couple of different threads about people talking about cleaning their houses. Oh, interesting. So again, it's really literally. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes these Sabian symbols are very literal. 
in that way. Uh-huh. So it is a good time to do another round of decluttering, of cleaning things. We're all spending a lot more time at home. Things are getting a lot dirtier. Yeah. And, you know, we're around our stuff all day and it's easier to uh, get impatient with mounds of junk. And aren't full moons always good for release anyway? But perhaps this time even more so. I don't know that I would say they're about release, are they? I think they're about being there and observing and seeing it all. Because until you see the fullness and reality of the situation, you can't know what you need to let go of. And you can't know if it's time. Mm -hmm. At the full moon, we sit and we look and we observe and we see, you know, without obstruction, what's really going on. Okay. So this takes us, you know, in terms of societally, I think it takes us to this place of We've all been focused on our little piece of the pie and what's important for us and do we have what we need and all of that. And the Scorpio just says, okay, but stand back for a minute and look at the larger picture and how we're doing as a society. I don't know. There's some element in there of how are we doing in a spiritual sense, Hmm. taking it a step beyond what's going to happen to the economy at the end of all of this. Yeah. And taking it to the Scorpio places, what's happening to us as an interconnected people during all of this. And how can we transform maybe? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is definitely the opportunity for that. And it's a question of which way we're going to go with it. Mm -hmm. The sun and the moon at the full moon are both square Mars. At 26 degrees of Aquarius. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> fun. That sounds fun. That sounds like very strenuous house cleaning is what that sounds like. Yeah. Because Mars is action and sometimes anger. Yeah. Disagreement and conflict. Right. Yeah. So there's the fundamental disagreement already between two signs that are opposite each other, Taurus and Scorpio. Yeah. And Aquarius is standing to one side and being the rabble rouser and kind of pitting one against the other. Right. I have this wonderful little gif of the minions, and there's two of them slapping each other, and there's one little one down in the corner kind of watching with an impish look on his face (laughs) like he's instigated the whole thing, and he's just sitting back and watching him have at it. And that's the feeling I get a little bit about this full moon. Okay. The other things about the full moon, yeah, I guess you're right. I think we say in ritualistic terms that, yeah, this is more like it begins the waning phases of the moon. And that is about the letting go. That's ultimately about the release. Okay. So we say for the two-week period following the full moon as we move towards the next new moon, after we get through this period of evaluation at the full moon, then we say, okay, we're winding down. What do we want to let go of? Got it. Well, that is our moon watch for this week, a lovely full moon. All right. And then we have Saturn. Yeah, another big thing happening. Yeah. We have a lot of big things happening. It's a big week. We have Saturn in Aquarius turning retrograde on May 10th at 9.09 p.m. Pacific time. What can you tell us? The Sabian symbol for the degree where it turns retrograde to Aquarius is an unexpected thunderstorm. Oh, boy. Which tells us this doesn't go super smoothly. Uh, we'll just take that at face value right there. So when Saturn turns retrograde, you know, it hasn't been in Aquarius all that long, right? Mm-hmm. But while it is retrograde, it's the time to make assessments about Saturn things. So commitments that we've made, time to renegotiate things, and another opportunity to say no. Like if we've taken on a responsibility or a commitment since Saturn, especially since it's moved into Aquarius and has been direct. And we took on something that really we were kind of hesitant about and part of us was not super on board with it. Yeah. This is the next opportunity to reassess that and say, yeah, can I really go the distance with this? 
Or is this the time to back out of this? And definitely, while Saturn is retrograde through September 28th of this year, if possible, this isn't always possible, but it's not probably the best time to take on new responsibilities or important commitments. Now, this goes back to something somebody asked me on social media last week when I was talking about Venus retrograde. And okay, if you're somebody who's been out of work and somebody comes to you with an opportunity for a new job, you're thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't do it because Saturn's turning retrograde. No, that's not what I'm saying. Right, yeah. You do what you have to do, right? Mm -hmm. But this is if possible, all things being equal. Sure. Don't necessarily run out and start a new business, for instance, which is ruled by Saturn. So while it's retrograde, if I if somebody came to me and wanted to choose a good date to incorporate a business, I'm probably not going to choose one when Saturn is retrograde if I can help it. But again, Saturn's retrograde for a long time. It'll be retrograde through the end of September. So we don't necessarily all have the luxury to sit around and wait for it to turn direct. Right. Because as you point out, we still have to live our lives. Yeah. So that is Saturn turning retrograde. The Sabian symbol, as I said, for this retrograde point is it points to the unexpected. So who knows what we may be kind of forced into a corner to do about modifying the structure of the way we do business or our lives in general with Saturn retrograde. Mm -hmm. It's going to back into Capricorn on July 1st, and then it won't go back into Aquarius until December 16th. So we have this last hurrah of Saturn visiting its own sign of Capricorn, which was not delightful when it was there for the last two and a half years. Right. Does it hit your Saturn again? You just had it the once, right? Yeah, I just had it the once. It gets yeah. close, but it's I mean, it's close enough. Pluto's close enough now. Yeah. So just kind of knowing that we're in this in-between period with Saturn, we all got really excited when Saturn went into Aquarius. And off the top of my head, I can't remember exactly when that was, but it's relatively recently. So it felt like a positive shift, right? At least some stuff getting out of that big Capricorn knot. But Saturn will retrograde and it's going to move back again closer to Pluto. And we're revisiting some old territory from earlier in the year. Yeah. And Saturn entered Aquarius on March 21st or 22nd, depending on where you are in the world. Oh, right. It was right at the uh, equinox. Yeah. At pretty much the same time. So we get a little bit of a refresher course. On Saturn and Capricorn. In Saturn and Capricorn. Mm -hmm. Capricorn seems to suggest that there are certain areas of misery that Saturn has not fully explored and needs to back up and really do that. How delightful. I know. I'm being wry, but (laughs) but I'm kind of kidding on the square, too, because it was pretty tough having Saturn and Capricorn. So if we think about Capricorn, it is about business things. It's about your career. It's also about family, because Capricorn and Cancer are the family signs, the parental signs. And basically about making sure that our platforms and structures are completely what we want them to be before we move on to this next chapter with Saturn fully in Aquarius until it moves, let's say, I think it's like March 2023 that it'll move on into Pisces. I like that. Build your structure while Saturn goes back into Capricorn. Finish building your structure, perhaps. Yeah. If there are things that were missing Mm -hmm. that you need to go back and collect again for yourself. Yeah, it's like you're getting your house appraised. And an appraiser comes out and just looks at everything. Like, say you've built a new house like a friend of mine is doing, and then the appraiser has to come out at the end and just check everything out. 
make sure that nothing's been overlooked and that everything is what it needs to be. So everything's in good working order. Yeah. And just look to the house of your chart that has Capricorn on the cusp or in the house. And we'll link to a blog post that I did about that. Absolutely. And that will talk about the area of your life that you really want to evaluate very carefully and make sure all systems are go. Or you can also schedule a reading with April. Oh, you could do that if you like. And she can tell you, couldn't they? Absolutely. Just sure they could. Point that right out to you. <laughs> go to BigSkyAstrology.com and check it out. Yeah. Got a whole section there about readings and I would love to do a reading with you. Finally, this week, we wanted to talk briefly about Sun Sextile Neptune on May 10th at 9.15 a.m. Pacific Time at 21 of Taurus. So the Sabian symbol for 21 Taurus is a finger pointing in an open book. And it's as if to say the answer is here. Take a look right here Mm -hmm. at this. Sextiles, again, always are opportunities. You can take them or not. And the sun coming together with Neptune, you know, Neptune is about a spiritual purpose. The sun in Taurus is very much about how we are grounded on the earth. So this is an opportunity to elevate ourselves in some way. I like that. Yeah. And the finger pointing an open book says the answer is really kind of will come to you quite clearly. And it's a question of deciding if you want to take advantage of that opportunity or not. And maybe the answer is already lurking around because the book's open. Oh, I like that, Jen. Mm -hmm. You are wise, grasshopper. You have learned much. (laughs) And yet, there is much to learn. (laughs) Still in my Gemini phase. You are. Absolutely. Go right with the North Node. You're right in tune, my friend. My beginner's (laughs) mind, and I'm going to get all Zen Buddhist and go with that. You are. Well, my friend, I think that is everything we have on our show sheet. Have we done it? Once again, but I'm bumped. (laughs) We have done it, my friend. (laughs) Episode 24. That is two dozen. That is fantastic. Well, thanks to all of you for listening to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please be sure to subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to make sure you don't miss a single episode. You can read the show notes and full transcripts for each episode and leave your comments at our website, which is BigSkyAstropod.com. And we would just love it if you would go to BigSkyAstropod.com and kick in a dollar or five or 50 or make an ongoing monthly contribution. Thank you. We have been incredibly gratified by just how many of you have done that. We really appreciate it because we know that at a time like this, a lot of people are worthy of your assistance and asking for assistance. And we love that you value what we're doing here so much that you want to help us keep going. So thank you so much for that. Well, join us again bright and early next Monday. And until then, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.